Oh God, we thank you for your presence in this place. And we thank you that you are more than enough for anything we face this day. And it is with great joy that we have gathered here in your name. There is no other name. We have gathered here in your name to honor you and bring glory to you. And it's in your name, O oh God, that we pray. Amen. Please be seated. I would like to say congratulations to the class of 2015. Uh, as you stood earlier, those of you that have graduated high school and college and uh, graduate school, it's a big deal. I am hoping uh, they're not in here now, but those that graduated kindergarten and that they don't need therapy because we didn't recognize them, um, that's a joke. Um, when my kids were in kindergarten, they didn't do that, for which I'm grateful because I'm kind of in, under the impression it probably involved money. But, uh, you know, the cap and gown and the pictures, you got to have the pictures, right? You know, or you're... Somebody's going to call the 800 number. Anyway, so congratulations. It's a time of transition. And, and while it's an exciting time and all of that, it's still a time of transition. And so things are exciting, but things can definitely be a little bit scary. Uh, it's a different season for all of you. And so I just encourage you in this time, whether some of you may be going to college or some of you may be looking for work or some of you may be going into ministry situations, um, that you would really seek God in all of that, in all of those decisions. Um, the little things do matter. Our choices matter. And so I just encourage you that as you embark upon whatever road is before you, that you would, uh, in my opinion, the most powerful thing you can ever do is to put your life, put your decisions, put things in God's hands. Um, my testimony to that would be, regardless of the situation, that he is faithful Every time. Every time. And so whether or not, as you are seeking different things, you receive an open door or a closed door, it is still God. I think sometimes we really like the open doors, especially if it's what we want. And when we get a closed door, we're kind of like going, well, I guess I didn't pray enough. Uh, sometimes a closed door is as much a divine appointment as an open door. And we just don't want it, or we don't recognize it, or we're thinking, oh, well, surely that isn't what God intended. Well, maybe he's protecting us when it's a closed door, even if we don't understand it. So I just encourage you in this season that you really uh, know and understand and feel the love of God, how much he loves you, and how he cares for you, and that he has amazing things for you. And that's not just for the class of 2015, although certainly it is, but it's for all of us as well. Um, we are looking, this is the Sunday after Pentecost, and my spiritual gift, one of them, is, a, is saying the obvious. So there will be many of those in here, and I know you know some of this stuff, and so I'm not trying to, you know, make you count down the hours until lunch. Um, but let's, I wanted to look at Acts 1 for a minute, and that's why I had uh, the scripture reading to be that, and then we'll look also at Acts 2, and then a couple of practical things. Uh, in Acts 1, the disciples still did not understand Jesus, they had walked with Jesus for three years. He had died. They had seen it. They saw the resurrection. They saw him with them. And they still were thinking, when are you going to get the Romans out of here? When are we going to take over Israel again? And that's really what they were saying. And, and they, they still didn't get it. And he was talking about a whole different realm, like, oh, take over the world. You know, certainly the Romans held the, the known world at that time. 
they asked him, when will you restore the kingdom to Israel? And that's when he said, it's not for you to know the times or seasons, my paraphrase. It's not for you to know all that. But then he goes into, you shall receive power when the, when the promise of the Father comes, when the Holy Spirit comes among you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And how important was that being said for the people that had walked with him, seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. There were other times people were raised from the dead. And yet he said, it's more important for you that I go away so the Holy Spirit can come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, then you will be empowered to do what I've called you to do. A pretty significant statement from the Lord. Just the importance of the Holy Spirit, how Jesus placed such emphasis on that, but also how... um, how important it was for the disciples to grasp it. And then he told them to tarry in Jerusalem until they received power from on high. As far as we know, there were about 120 believers at that time. Scripture talks about how that they had gathered and about 120. It was a time of transi- transition and change, very much like it may be for some of you. Uh, you may not be a part of the class of 2015, but all of us go through t- transition and change at different times in our lives. And so it's an important time to really be seeking God and trying to determine what he is saying to do. It also says in Acts, in verse 14, that they all join together constantly in prayer. I think it's an important word that whenever you're at a time when you're not quite sure what's going on and you don't know what the future may hold, prayer is a good thing. And really that should be part of what we do all the time. That is not like a last resort. That should be the first thing. For us as a church, for us as individuals, prayer really should be the first thing. And so when the day of Pentecost came, it talks about how they were all in one place and the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. Doug preached on that last week. Um, I want us to focus for a minute on Peter and his life and the role that he played in this. How do you prepare for the big things? You know, I don't know that Peter got the email that morning that, you know, he was going to be making a a pretty big sermon that day. I don't think Peter woke up going, this is it, this is my time. You know, I just think he had been faithful in doing the little things. And I think sometimes we see things like that as mundane or things like that as unimportant. But obviously, daily time with the Lord, daily times in Scripture, and just the mundane things that we have to do every day just to be in society or just to function. I heard a, a... speech made uh, at a leading university by an admiral who was, had also been a Navy SEAL. And I won't mention the school because if I mention that, then people will start hissing in the audience. And if they do that, I'll have to preach on Genesis 3. But um, anyway, just to say he was giving a, a big commencement speech and he was talking about the important things and he was talking about Navy SEAL training. Now, I have not, this may shock you, but I have not been a part of Navy SEAL training. Um, You know, I was close, but didn't quite make the cut. Sarcasm, y'all get it? Uh, He said that one of the first things they made you do, the first things that was a big deal to them, was that you had to make your bed. Now, you're thinking about people that will go in, you know, I'm sure they're thinking, we're going to go in and get the bad guys. And one of the first things they had you do is you had to make your bed. And if you didn't make it right you were in trouble. And I don't think that meant that you had to stand at the end of the line at lunch, you know? I mean, you had to run miles and all the other things that they said. He offered a lot of advice, but and we see that as so mundane, and I don't want to tell you the state of my bed this morning, you know? But 
Doing the little things, being faithful in the little things are really critical. And so for Peter, 53 days out from denying Jesus, 53 days out from saying three times, I don't know him. And not to put a huge heavy on Peter because most of the other guys ran away. They weren't even there to say. They just hooked him. Oh, sorry. Uh, They left. Um, Some of you got it. Some of you did not. Uh, 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 Genesis 3. Okay. So on the day of Pentecost, you know, they'd been saying, God, when are you going to take our world back? When are you going to run out the Romans? And not knowing on that day, the world changed. History changed that day. And when they went to the temple and when they were uh, gathered there and the Holy Spirit, it says it came with a mighty wind, a rushing wind, and that it was very loud and the tongues of fire were distributed upon all of them. And they began to uh, speak in other tongues and it was languages that people gathered there said, you know, we're hearing them say the mighty things of God in our own tongue. You know, just mighty stuff happening. And then Peter stands up and he begins to preach. Now, to go from the guy that said, I don't know him, to the guy that could stand up and declare the glory of God, quote scripture from two different passages, and, and give an incredibly strong word to the point that 3,000 were saved that day. Now, you may want to do the math from 120 to 3,000, but that's a lot. That's a lot. The scripture says they were cut to the heart. And that's, that's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit, not in the sense of hurting you, but bringing conviction, not condemnation. It's not condemnation, but conviction that you know that you know you need a relationship with God. You know that there's an emptiness within you that only God can fill. Years ago, like 30 years ago, um, I was at camp And I'm guessing Miss Cindy probably would have been at the same camp. This is before we had kids. So we kind of did that stuff then. She still does this stuff. And I I stand in awe. Um, One night there had been a a message, worship and a message. And there was a little girl. um, And she was about nine years old. She was about in the fourth grade. And she was really crying. She was a twin and a really sweet little girl. Um, and, and so I asked her, you know, what, what is wrong? How can I pray for you? And she said her words were, her exact words were, I feel so far from God. And then she said, I've done so many bad things. Now, this was not a child terrorist, you know. She was just very convinced of her sin. And so I talked with her, and we prayed, and she accepted the Lord. But that whole thing of, I feel so far from God... And this was this sweet little girl. Now, some of the boys at camp, not trying to be gender-specific or whatever here, but, you know, I mean, there were some kids I could have given you an Excel spreadsheet on things they'd done wrong. You know, yay, verily, even just at camp. But, you know, here this kid, and, and yet she knew she needed God. That regardless of how good we've been or how bad we've been or whatever, we all needed a Savior. She was convicted. And it wasn't my job to go, oh, honey, that's okay. She needed to feel that then. And once she kind of worked through that, then we prayed and she received the Lord. And that was an emptiness in her that needed to be filled. It's just amazing um, how God moved in that time on that day. Peter told them to repent. And that doesn't mean just turn around, but that means turn back toward God. 
It doesn't just mean reverse what you're doing, but it means to turn to him. 3,000 were saved from 120 to 3,000. It's really a phenomenal thing, and we hear it, and we're familiar with it, and we think, oh, well, big deal. Well, pretty big deal. Um, This is Trinity Sunday in the life of the church, and so churches all over the world have been celebrating Trinity Sunday, which is where we we celebrate um, God the Father. God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's interesting, uh, reading this week, I read that one author said, Matthew begins with God with us, chapter 1 of Matthew, Emmanuel, God with us. And at the very end of Matthew, in the Great Commission, he says, and lo, I am with you always, to the very end of the age, that he is with us, he is here. And so understanding the incredible love of the Father, that sometimes we get distorted concepts of God or we don't understand or, or our perspective is somewhat messed up. Maybe situations have caused that. But how much he loves you. How incredibly much he loves us. And, and how amazing is, in his, is his love in that before we even knew him. You know, as Phoebe was here today in her mother's arms, you know, and, and knowing the love of her family and extended family, God loves that baby even now and has loved her from first breath and will be with her all her life. It's really such a miracle as we see that and see baptism and and Jim being baptized, declaring his faith today, uh, really a remarkable thing. Trinity Sunday, to understand the love of the Father, the love of the Son, that Jesus went to the cross for my sin for your sin, that we have all made mistakes, we've all made bad choices. There was a place in us that needed to be filled, and only God could fill that. And then the work of the Holy Spirit. How difficult would life be without the Holy Spirit? I can't even imagine. Don't really want to go there. If you had to navigate life without knowing that God is with you, that God is with you, and so when we, when, like when Jim was baptized, he was baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Incredibly powerful words. Trinity Sunday, that we look to what God is doing and how he is moving in our midst. It's an amazing thing. One author said that Christmas means that God is with us and that Calvary means God is for us. But Pentecost means that he is in us. He is with us forever. What a gift. What a gift. For some time, like for the last probably couple of years, maybe even before that, uh, in, in prayer time, I've been getting the sense of the importance of seasons. And I, don't, I didn't always understand that, and I, I researched it and read about it and prayed about it and all that kind of thing. And I kept getting this phrase, know the season that you're in. And, and we obviously know it's about to be summertime, and we're all glad the rain has ended. And, you know, it's about to be summer. I, I would just say a little point for uh, all the teachers in the room. As much as kids are looking forward to summer... There is no one among you more excited about summer than teachers that are sitting here. I, I would just say, I'm tr- going out on a branch there maybe, but just saying. Um, most teachers are counting the days, perhaps even the hours. Um, 
I know it's just very obvious about spring and summer and fall and winter and understanding that. But I think also when we apply that to our lives, it doesn't necessarily mean that people that are elderly, you know, for sh- that, that they're in winter. Because I've known people that, boy, when they hit retirement, they were just like, yes and amen. And if it was ever spring, it was spring for them, you know. I mean, it was like they had a whole new world opening up to them. It's not a matter of age and where you are. It's a matter of what you're dealing with and what circumstance you might be in. And that's not easy. There are times that you don't want to be in winter. You don't want to be in a time of grief or depression. That is hard. And yet, we don't always get to choose those things. And just like the seasons turn, now in Dallas, they don't always turn as easily as other places. Some places have actually four seasons. We tend to have mainly summer. Um, Knowing the season you're in, knowing what you're called to do in that, and then I began to get into stuff about seed time and harvest and how that passage from, from Genesis that talks about when God is talking to Noah and talks about seed time and harvest day and night, um, how he loves us and how he watches over us and how things will continue. And then I began to get stuff about the sower went out to sow. And I realize you may be going, oh my goodness, this is just so random. But I think they're connected, and I think they're connected for us. I mean, I think they're connected probably for other people, and I've not had a conversation with this really about anyone. Um, But just the significance of that, of the season we're in as this church, I I think people have to deal with different seasons at different times. Certainly businesses do, churches for sure do. I think anybody, you're just in a situation, you look at history, there there are times that you go through a very dark period of time in, in a country's history, and then times that would be considered a good time. Um... I think it's very important to be asking the Lord what season you're in and what would he have you do about it? What would he not like trying to get out of it, but how do you function in that time and place right now? As I began preparing for this sermon and and really praying about it, the one thing that I got repeatedly, and I was not expecting this, but the one thing I got repeatedly, and I think this is for the church, and it was this is your time. Now, if you've sat through, if you've sat through uh, commencement speeches and things like that, people will say, this is your time, and, you know, go take on the world, and all that kind of stuff, and I get that, but I think for a church, I really sense that this is, this is a time that is critical, and critical in a good way, not critical in a scary way. We have gone through difficult things. Uh, I'm sure there will be difficult things in the future. That's just life. That's just how it is. Faith is not about when things are going well. Faith is when things are difficult and we hold on and we press on and we press into God. So I just think um, more than the seasons and really not about age, but they're for a purpose. In nature, you see the dormancy of, if you look at the life of a tree and, and going through the different seasons that you see in a tree or a flower. And yet, in the darkest times, God is still moving. God is still at work in that for the tree then to bud again in the spring. If there weren't a winter, it would be very difficult for those kinds of trees to bud again. For example, in situations where people have really struggled, times that were so dark, and yet they came out stronger. God's at at work. In history, there is a time historically that is called the silent years between the Old Testament and the New Testament, but God was working in amazing ways. It was just not obvious, but he was moving. 
So as you're preparing the gospel, and, and scripture talks about in the fullness of time, God sent his son. So in that period of time of preparation for those years, that's when Alexander the Great conquered the known world, and Greek became the language of the entire world, which, oh, made it pretty easy then for the gospel to go forth, because everyone had to speak that language. When the Romans overtook the world, and, and they came in, they had to build roads that their artillery, that all, all of their war machines could be on, could, be, could travel on. And those roads the gospel went forth on. And then you have the Roman peace, the peace that they brought. Yes, they were dominating, but no one really fought against them. They brought order. And in that time, God said, <clears throat> excuse me, God said, in the fullness of time, he sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that we might be called children of God, that we might hold on to that. Seasons are for a purpose in our lives. Anything growing is going to change. Anything growing is going to change. So when the sower goes out to sow, you may not recognize it, days that you are sowing. You know, I don't think it means like you get, you know, you get your little sack of seed or whatever and go out and start throwing things at people. You know, I don't think that's really it. But how do you minister to people? How do you encourage them? You may say something that, that you don't even recognize, and for them, it was a big deal. How are we a part of being the sower? Because there is a community out there, out there, that really needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we don't do that, I think, by throwing Bibles or whatever at people, but I think we do it by becoming their friends and, and inviting them to things that we're going to have here at the church and going out in situations like Sheffield Elementary. There was a group of people that met with the principal at Sheffield Elementary. I think Cindy and Susan Sublett and some others uh, went to talk to her about how could we help. And they were talking about all the different things that they needed, the clothing for the uniforms for the kids and just basics. But then the teachers also said, the elementary teacher said, um, I'm sorry, the elementary principal said, they don't have books. And we try to give them books in the summertime. Could you buy them new books? To buy them a new book. And that really hit me because reading was a big deal with my kids. We, we always went to the library. We always did that kind of stuff. And that somebody didn't have a new book. I mean, they didn't have one new book. And that the gift of the church would give them, your gift to them, would be something new they'd never had before. I mean, to me, that's just amazing. So when the children had their children's program <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, May 3rd maybe, um, Cindy had this on the stage. <clears throat> and you guys lined up. I mean, there was a line. Do you remember? And that was a real move of God, I thought. I mean, it was amazing. And, and yes, they primed the pup a little bit, like when you go to a restaurant, you know, and there's money in the tip jar. Well, you know, I mean, y'all gave, and you gave, and you gave. And over 800 kids will have a new book this summer. That's a big deal. To realize there's that kind of need right here, right here. I mean, what, three miles maybe? And the opportunities for the gospel. And Nick's going to be working, as you heard in the announcements, Nick's going to be working with the people, uh, trying, the youth are going to try to go help. 
And I understand also that they're needing help with just registering for school because they want people to do that online, and they don't have computers, most of those folks. And so they come to the school and, and for people just to help them register their kid for school. Stuff that, that we don't even really grasp. The sower went out to sow. Good News Club, Carol shared today, it was one of the best illustrations I'd ever heard of the Trinity in, with children. And she did a very good job, and, and uh, a number of people in the congregation went to help. And I would go sometimes, Cindy would go, others went every week. Um, and so, and I will tell you, when I first heard of Good News Club, I was a little bit, um, love Carol, where's Carol? Love Carol and her devotion, but it was kind of like, okay, how do I juggle that? And yet, stuff like that counts really for eternity. I mean, out of all the things I do, it really counts for eternity. And so when we would leave on Thursdays, we started telling Mary. Mary Kleipas is the, is, answers the phone on Thursday afternoons, and she's amazing and wonderful and all of that, and I love Mary. And I think I confused her somewhat because as we'd leave the building, we'd holler, Mary, we're going to go clubbing. And, um, and she would kind of look at me, and I'm not sure she ever quite got the full interpretation, but, um, but we were going clubbing and went to Indian Creek, and some of the kids knew the Lord, and some of the kids obviously did not. And seeds were sown. We sow seeds. In this day and in this season, how do we sow seeds? What is the Lord calling us to do? If he is really saying, this is your time, and I fully believe that for this church. I fully believe that, and I do not say that lightly. Then how do we pray? And I think prayer is the first thing. How do we worship? How do we learn? How do we serve? What really counts for eternity? I just encourage you in this season, whether it is kind of an unsettling time for you or whether it's a wonderful time for you, life is just couldn't be better, all of that, or whether it's just hard, I get all that. I think we represent him. He told us to baptize, to go and, and make disciples and to baptize, teaching them his ways. And I feel like I should um, read a passage in closing from Isaiah 61 because as he, as this was about Jesus, so it should be about us if we are representing him. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. And to provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. That they will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord. For the display of his splendor. I strongly feel like we are in this time and place. um, For God to do mighty things. And it's not about us. In the sense of aren't we so cool. Although I am grateful for you all. and, And in no way I'm trying to say anything in a wrong spirit. But I do feel this is our time. And there are critical things that need to happen. 
blessings and people coming to know the Lord and ways that we can serve. And I don't know exactly how all that fits in, but I do know that God is faithful. And I do know that He is with us. And I do know that when we don't know what to do, He knows what to do. And we just need to ask Him. We just need to press into Him. We need to look to Him. So if you're at a place in your life where you're not sure what's going on, He does not intend for us to go through some of the things we go through. But He is with us in the journey. So regardless of what your need is today, whether you're needing a physical touch or a word of encouragement or a word of hope, whatever it is this day that you're needing perhaps direction on or or just facing college or ministry and what are you going to do, he is with us and he knows what's next. And it's our job to be faithful. It's our job to be discerning and to pray. It is said of John Wesley that he was very, very concerned about what he would say on his deathbed, that he was very concerned about what that, he was just very terrified of what would come out, and I get that could be a problem maybe. Um, But the story is told that when he was dying, some friends gathered and he told them farewell. And then he looked at all of them, he was shaking their hands, and he said, the very best thing is, God is with us. God is with us. And so regardless of what you face this day, he is with us. And he watches over you in every way. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you that regardless of our circumstance or situation or whatever season we're in, that you are moving. And you move in every season and you are with us. So we thank you for the opportunities before us. And we thank you for how you are faithful. We thank you for open doors. We thank you for closed doors. We thank you for how you protect us. We honor you this day, oh God. And if there is anyone here today that would like to make any type of decision or come and pray, the chancel rail is open if you would like to do that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.